If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I am John Manuel. I got to tell you, Aaron, I I love my weekends. love my weekends with my kids. had a great day at home yesterday with with the children. Two Durham Bulls games this weekend. Good weekend. But Monday mornings, I have none of those Monday morning problems because I have the Top 25 College Podcast. And it's going to be a serious crash in June when the College Podcast is over. And I'm going to miss arguing college baseball with you every Monday and discussing it with our listeners on the Baseball America College Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. But this is the highlight of the day, isn't Ab- it? Absolutely. I mean, this, the Top 25 poll, that, that's a fun meeting. But this is just undistilled. We don't have to explain it to other people in the office. College talk at a high level it's a lot of fun hope you enjoyed as much as we do and right at the top let's just get get this out of the way uc irvine talk about a deserving number one uc irvine kicking butt and taking names i mean this is just a really really great team yeah i couldn't be impressed more with with what they've done and their consistency um you know i mean to be, to be 14 and one in the big west that's amazing uh, having having one series against fullerton and polly i think they swept polly I, I mean i know they swept polly they haven't lost a weekend series all year long i mean you know i i still i still wonder down the stretch um about the pitching depth I, that that's the kind of thing that usually catches up with teams that's the at the end I mean, and, and, and we've seen that with Arizona State the last couple of years. Great, great. Um, you know, a, a team that doesn't have a lot of pitchers, but has a couple of very good dominant pitchers. Um, they get fatigued at the end. That could happen with Arizona State again this year. Um, and then that's my one concern with Irvine. But you know what? You know, they've done a pretty good job managing. I mean, I think Daniel Babona and Christian Bergman, they haven't had a lot of huge, you know, 140-pitch outings. Or Really, I mean, they've, they've gone seven, eight innings most games. I mean, it, I think they've been managed well. You're right. I think they have. Um, Let's know, face it. The one difference between those two programs, and this is nothing personal against Murph. I don't know if Murph ever listens to this, but one of those head coaches has won a national championship. Mike Gillespie has won a national championship. Uh, I think that that matters in college athletics. I think we see it matter – Every year in the college basketball tournament, uh, I think when you once you win one, boy, it seems like uh, those teams go a lot deeper in the tournament every year. And I, I think we see that in baseball very frequently. Now, I don't, you know, I have my own theory for why USC fell down uh, and caused Mike Gillespie to lose his job there. But he's gone to Irvine and he's shown he, you know, kind of meet the new boss, same as the old boss. When it comes to game planning, this guy is as good a game yeah. manager as there is in college baseball. And I believe in Irvine, and it's not just because of Coach Gillespie, but that is a separator for me in a lot of ways. And I I just think that, that team, we don't always talk about the number one team, especially if it's chalk, top of a ranking. But, you know, Rice is the only other team I can remember that's been in a big conference and you know, or a good conference the last few years and just runs the league, you know, one, two losses like Irvine's doing. You're right. And guess what? The last three years, Rice has been to Omaha. Yeah, that's When true. you can dominate a league like that, you host a regional. You almost always host a super regional. And the chances of you getting to Omaha when you do that yeah. are so much higher. And I'm looking forward to to, uh, to heading to that, that Irvine regional. I'll be out in Orange County right. uh, to see, hopefully, the Anteaters and, and the Titans hosting regionals. So Aaron Fitt in the OC. Uh, we'll see if we can hook you up with uh, with Gina Keogh. That'd be fun. I don't know who, who that is, John. That's, uh, that's one of the real housewives <laughs> of Orange County. And... Uh, 
uh, Shane Keogh's mom. And the oh, former, okay. The former right. ZZ Top girl. Pie star, right? That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. I, I think star is uh, unfortunately a loose definition of the word star there. That's a star kind of like, uh, well, I have no space thing I could make. I was trying to make some space reference, but I couldn't think of the name of Anyway, never mind. Uh, <laughs> Rice is two. Uh, Arizona State takes a little tumble, Aaron, uh, down to five as Oregon State wins that series. I guess the big news in the top ten uh, is who's not in it anymore uh, or who's not at the top. There's a little shuffling in the Southeastern Conference really this week, Aaron, because uh, most teams in the top ten uh, you know, won their series. The, 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 ser- the series in the top ten that sticks out to me is LSU – Winning two out of three at Arkansas, LSU moves up to number three, and the shuffling we did of SEC teams because Arkansas and Georgia, which have been toward the top of our rankings of SEC teams all year long, in fact, I think those two teams have been one and two most of the year, yeah, uh, or two and three, I should say, with LSU, the other team in that mix. Those two teams have both come way down as LSU wins a series at Arkansas, and then Georgia gets swept at home by Florida, and the Bulldogs have lost six straight. Let's talk first about LSU. Because Aaron, they've, I don't think we talked about this last weekend as much on the podcast, but they maybe I, maybe we did. But they've remade their lineup, and it's a dramatic change, and they're playing really well since the change. Yeah, DJ LeMayhew, Ryan Schimpf weren't getting it done in the middle of the infield. No, um, uh, zero six four three double plays all year, which that is was unbelievable. An unbelievable stat, and only a couple of four six threes. I mean, we'll I mean, see if that, I don't know if that stat is one hundred percent, but Paul Maneri said it, so we're going to take his word for it. Yeah. We haven't fact-checked. We should add that. But, yeah. but, I mean, you know, LeMayhew, they got him at second base now. Um, they've got an outstanding playmaker at shortstop in Austin Nola, a guy who, coming into this weekend, had not made an error in six games since they made the switch. Um, and, you know, they've, they've gotten a lot more energy with, with the freshman in the lineup, like Nola and like like Mikey Matt took. Um, it's, That's a Jim Callis favorite, by the way. Absolutely. Mikey I mean, Jim Callis talked this guy up. He was a freakish athlete, the kind of guy that, that scouts talked about in hushed term, terms and, and, you know, in dark corners because right. of his, his, his ridiculous athleticism. He was last year's big pop-up guy yep. in Louisiana and high school players. So, I mean, I think the only surprise is that he's produced so early because he was considered pretty raw. Um, but he's been a, a big energy boost for them, and I think it's a big reason for their success. But, of course, maybe the biggest reason for their success is Lewis Coleman, John. Yeah, I think that, you're that guy is I was a there. stud. Yeah, and I think the big development for LSU, early in the season, you talk about a pitcher who might get fatigued, got to keep your eyes on Lewis Coleman because early in the year he'd give you one or two innings on Friday as a closer then come back and pitch six or seven on Sunday. Didn't do that much, though. Not not that often, only a couple times. But the emergence of Ott, at the, is it Matt Ott, Matty Ott, yep, at the back Matty of their Ott. bullpen, the SEC coaches I've talked to for draft coverage have universally said Matty Ott is money. Yeah. And with Matty Ott's development as being a closer that LSU can trust, Lewis Coleman doesn't have to do the double duty, and that just made him so much better. It's made their whole rotation better. Mm-hmm. That was the difference maker for them on the mound. No question. And Matty Ott, you know, I got to look at him in South Carolina. He, he reminds me a lot of Lewis Coleman. He's kind of a low-arm slot guy, firm stuff, like 88-91 range, I mean, it, it, with a good slider. Uh, and, and he's tough and he's composed. Uh, it's like, it, it, you know, it took Lewis Coleman a couple of years to get to that point. If you remember, he wasn't yeah. so good earlier in his career. No, you're right. Matty Ott's there right now, and, and that's been huge. Wasn't, isn't, doesn't UC Irvine have a middle reliever named Ott? Might have Ott versus Ott. No. I think Irvine's got a pitcher named Ott. I, I could be wrong. I, I was checking a lot of box scores of Irvine lately, and I thought there was an Ott name in there. Uh, we still have Ole Miss in our rankings very high. Talking about SEC teams, they're at seven. They're, they're kind of like the hold steady this week. Uh, they win a series. They yeah. sweep at Auburn, which – Auburn uh, can kiss its regional changes goodbye. Yeah, I think uh, you know the d- and, tough, tough year at Auburn. I do have, uh, you know, I do have a lot of respect for Auburn's talent, but that team is not hitting like you thought their talent would, and like a John Pulaski coach team would, considering how offensive they were yeah. 
at uh, College of Charleston. It's been a little bit of a surprise. Obviously, it's his first year. I think John Pulaski was a good hire, and I think he'll figure uh, no things question. out at Auburn. But a little surprising how that offense has really tailed I, off. I thought Brian Fletcher would be better. I thought Kevin Patterson would be better, and I thought Hunter Morris would be better. I mean, those, those, guys, those three guys. Those I mean, are they've gotten they've had great years from Trent Mummy and, and Joseph Sanders, but the other three guys that I just mentioned were the guys that I thought were going to carry that offense, and they've been disappointing. Those guys have really been hacktastic. You look at Auburn's strikeout. This team struck out 416 times in 49 games. They're getting close to 10 strikeouts per game. On average, that means all the team times where they play bad teams, they're still striking out enough. And, I mean, Brian Fletcher's got 67 whiffs. That is hard to believe. And Kevin Patterson, who's now been reduced to a part-time role, 55 strikeouts on 127 at-bats. I mean, I know we're looking at stats and all that, but we could cheat a little bit here on the Baseball America podcast with Aaron Fitt and John Manuel, but, geez, that is stunning. It's stunning to see Auburn struggling like yeah. that. So big series win for Ole Miss to go and, on the road and sweep. you got to give them props for that, yeah, even though we and, didn't move them and up. And certainly Ole Miss has to be in the discussion when we're talking about these elite teams. Because, I agree. I mean, you know, they're right where they were when they started the year. We had them six or seven in the preseason, and they're number seven now. Yep. Uh, I mean, maybe they're the number two SEC team or number one are. SEC team. I think they're in that discussion. I would say they'd be the number one if Scott Biddle's healthy. But now That's you have this concern. question. Scott Biddle not starting this weekend. I don't know what to make of this guy draft-wise. Uh, all I know is every SEC coach that you talk to that's faced Mississippi says it's just unfair that this guy is back in college. Get rid of this guy. Who is this doctor with the Yankees who said he wasn't healthy right. so I can flog him for not <laughs> approving that contract? Sure. It's amazing the year this guy's had as a starter, but if he is tender, that's a big, big loss yeah, for Ole Miss. Yeah, no Talk question. Talk about a difference maker. I mean, you know, I'll tell you what. I, I like him better as a prospect, John, now than I did a year ago. I agree. I like him as a starter. I, I like agree. him as a starter because of that changeup. He's still got the cutter. He's got, he's but got I, two plus pitches to annihilate left-handed hitters with. Yeah. It's a, it's a great uh, – he's, like, he's going to have opposite splits as a right-hand pitcher. That, to me, makes him a starter, not a reliever. Not a reliever. So, uh, But then the other, the other big news in the SEC, obviously, this week, Aaron, was Florida – Going to Georgia and I w- and sweeping that series. Now I was doing the Bulls game on TV Friday. And Matt Laporta was still in the minor leagues and he was playing in that game. And he was the only guy for the Columbus Clippers who didn't have a good game that day. I think he was the only hitless player in the whole lineup as they put 14 runs on the Bulls uh, and hit four home runs. Matt Laporta, I actually gently ribbed Matt Laporta on the broadcast during the game, uh, and, and because Florida was getting run by Georgia eight one on Friday. And then I get up Saturday morning and I'm checking the scores and there was a fly in the ointment. And that was that Florida had rallied to tie that game. Uh, 9-9, a suspended game they picked up on Saturday. There were a lot of those around the country on Friday night. Yeah. But uh, how did Florida do this, Aaron? How, and how, is, how did Florida sweep this series, and how did Georgia uh, lose six in a row? When the consensus, I think we both had sensed, was that most people thought Georgia was, if not the best team in the SEC, at the very least the most talented. Mm-hmm. Maybe the issue was they – Maybe weren't the best because they had some real inexperience there. But what's you know, happening with these two teams? You know what strikes me with Georgia is it, it's it's the confidence factor. And, and and I got a little whiff of this last week talking with Coach Perno uh, in the SEC teleconference. Uh, you know, before the Georgia uh, the Florida series, you know, he was asked what kind of an advantage it is to have this series at home. And he said something like, well, I, I don't know if it is an advantage. We've been better on the road. I mean, it, this team has not protected its home field. and, and they, have, they must protect this house, he and just, yet they're not. Perno sounded worried going into this series. Uh, the way things have been going, they had lost some games that they should have won. They, lost, they, they got run by uh, Jacksonville, in the, uh, yeah, Jacksonville, did, Jacksonville State, State. rather, in, in the midweek. And You're they, right. I mean, you know, 
you could see it building. And, and, and Sully, on the other hand, sounded very confident, and he liked the way things were going. They swept South Carolina. His young guys are really coming on strong. I mean, Preston Tucker's had a huge year for them, and he had a, a, a couple of huge hits this he's weekend. He's a nice little player. Very nice like. player. He's, uh, he's, he's got power. Scrappy 5'9", 5'10", infielder, but is, is that my, or am I mixing no, him up? I think you're confusing him I'm with, with Josh up. Adams. Or, that's, that's exactly what I'm doing. But, but Preston Tucker's a big first baseman with some power, and, yep. he's, and he's gotten some big hits for them. And he's also the guy who's got the left-hand swing that's like Taylor made for the short right field porch at U of F. Sure. Which, of course, he didn't have it in Georgia. But, yes, uh scout I talked to really liked Preston Tucker as a guy who a couple of years from now could be in the position that Rich Poitras finds himself in as a middle of the first round or back of the first round uh, pick. Uh, no, absolutely. I, I was mixing those guys up. The thing with Georgia to me, Aaron, is that uh, they just can't seem to close out a game. And their bullpen, which was such a source of strength for them last year, the anecdotal evidence I have is that they're just not as good in the pen. And they've got Dean Weaver back there who's got great numbers and, and you good You believe stuff. that he could get you through the night. <laughs> Sorry. Dream wow. Weaver reference. Come on. Dean, wow. you never All think right. of that with Dean Weaver? You know, I, it's the first time I've thought of it. If I could shocking? sing, I would, I would belt that a little Dean Weaver. But I won't do it because <laughs> I, I can sing, but I'm not going to sing that song. In my own mind, I can sing. Anyway, uh, George's bullpen is – where they're struggling, it seems like. Yeah. They I mean, still if miss you look Josh at Sunday, Fields. And if you look at Sunday, uh, they got a great start from Justin Grimm, and they couldn't hold the lead. Well, Georgia drops precipitously in our rankings all the way down to 22. Florida jumps up to 11. We essentially just switched spots with those two teams. Yeah, you're right. And the biggest problem is, you know, even if you give Georgia credit, let's say they're two wins at midweek against Clemson. You count those as ranked, which we don't. It's ranked at the time. We, there's no reconstruction go back. That would be really difficult. But they're four and nine against teams when they, playing teams when they were ranked in the top twenty-five. I mean, they really only have the two really good, the, the the really great home series win against Arkansas. That's really their best thing to hang their hat on, is it not? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's stunning. Like they, yeah, they went to they Arizona, went to Ole Miss. I think they went to Ole Miss, John, and won okay. that series. I mean, they did go and sweep Arizona, but Arizona's last in the Pac-10. If they're not last, they're near the bottom of the Pac-10. Oregon's down there too. But uh, in total, Georgia's resume. Doesn't look as good as we thought, and this, these last two weekends, they're they're on the Baylor path. I, I they're not thought, quite Baylor, but they're yeah. on the Baylor path. And I always thought that their their record their their record looked like a little bit inflated because mm-hmm. they didn't really play anybody in the first half. I mean, Arizona, like we we talked about, is not the Arizona of old. That was their best non conference series win. They kind of ran up their record against uh, some softer teams in the league in the first half. I mean, you know, look, I still think Georgia talent wise. Is one of the better teams in this league. I mean, I they still have they still have more pitching, really, than than any other team in the SEC. I don't think there's a doubt. But when we, we kept matching them up with teams in the conference. The fact they lost a series at Alabama in the first weekend of the conference series, when you kept uh, dropping them down the rankings, it ended up you had to kind of have them behind Alabama. Yeah. And Alabama's 21, Georgia 22. It's the college podcast and, and on America.com. I'm sorry, John. I need no, to correct ahead. myself. They they won the opener down at Mississippi, and they lost the next two games. Yeah, so that's that's their last two series, uh, two straight series losses. Speaking of, I thought I, I'm throughout Baylor, Baylor, which three weeks ago, Aaron was a top ten team, and honestly was looking like a regional host and a potential number one overall seed if they finish strong. Now I think Baylor is on the bubble. Uh, RPI or no RPI, they're 26 and 20 and 10 and 13 in the Big 12. They're seventh in the Big 12, which is not going to get seven teams in. Missouri is on fire. Missouri's won seven straight. Missouri's, if you had to pick a regional team right now, Missouri or Baylor, who's Missouri. You pick? I mean, no question. Is Baylor in danger of not making the tournament now? 
Yeah. <laughs> Short answer, yeah, they're in trouble. I mean, you know, it's... And they don't play for a while here uh, with their exam break. Talk about a, a bad time of having an exam break. Horrible. They, since, since let's, let's back this up. Easy back it up. So since they beat Missouri 19-0 on April 11th, we're going to call that the zenith of their season. Yes. They've split two with UT Arlington, one and two Oklahoma State, lost to Sam Houston. They were, they were only one and one. I'm sorry, John. They only one and one at Oklahoma State. The third game was I'm canceled. sorry. I, yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at that wrong. Their wins since that April 11th game have won against UT Arlington, one at Oklahoma State, which is even worse than them, uh, one against UT San Antonio, and that's it. They got a lot of losses. Swept by Oklahoma, swept by Texas, and, and they close out with after their exam break at Nebraska. I mean, that's not going to, you know, that's the good thing is, John, what they need, what they need is wins. That's they don't they necessarily need. need quality wins. They need wins. They need to get back up to 500 in the in the Big 12. They can do that if they can sweep it at a lousy Nebraska team. Um, you know, I mean, who knows if that'll happen or not because they're they Baylor. They and right now, John, the way this program, their, their history the last couple of years. Exactly. They don't. They do not. This group of players, this group of players, this junior this class, class, has been a colossal disappointment. And unless they somehow get oh, get this season turned around, sneak into a regional, and, and make a run to Omaha, they will be a, they will be a colossal disappointment. And you know, part of that is let's, let's face it. Some of that is expectations, and we aren't necessarily the ones who set the expectations. The recruiters around the country and the scouts, and when yeah. when those players showed up on campus. They were hailed as, oh, this is going to be a great class. And they haven't lived up to our expectations. But you and I didn't see these guys in high school. And if we did, we, didn't, we don't sit there with stopwatches and radar guns, uh, you know, which I think also makes us unique. We listen to what the scouts and the recruiters say. And universally, this class was hailed as, oh, this is a great yeah. class. This class it, is the, the one biggest... to watch. And they haven't gotten it done as a group. I don't think you can peg it on one right. or two guys. Nope. As a gr- hitting, pitching, defense. They haven't gotten it done. The Coaching, biggest indictment to me. They haven't gotten it done. The biggest indictment to me is that the last two years, this team has been sitting pretty at the midway point and has collapsed two years in a row. Clearly, they've got the talent. They are good enough to beat teams. They have beaten some teams early yeah. in the year, and they've absolutely collapsed down the stretch. Show some toughness. Show some resilience when things don't go your way. You know, win a game. For God's sakes, win a Sunday game. Find a way to win. Find I, a way I, to win. I agree. Find a way to win. This team just seems to roll over. I couldn't be any more disappointed with this group of players. And I've got a lot of respect for that coaching staff. But, you know, you got to get your guys You got to get your guys back on track here. I don't think there's a better way to put it. They have disappointed as a group for a long time, for three years now. And it's amazing. They really built up that 05 College Series appearance and a really gritty bunch of players. And brought in this great recruiting class, and these guys have not played like those guys played. It's the Baseball America podcast. He's Aaron. I'm John. Elsewhere in the Big 12, uh, I think the big story is K-State. Talk about gritty. Talk about gutty. I don't mean to take away from their talent. I don't mean to take away from their talent, but here's a team. Kendall Valls is going to be a first-round pick and all this stuff, and he's USA. Maybe. Kendall Valls is 3-5. and A.J. Morris is the opposite of 3-5. and He goes to the post Friday and run support or not, he wins. Eleven. And that 0. is, that's an ace. I mean, if it weren't for Steven, St- Steven Strasburg, this guy would be the best pitcher in the country. Yep. Based on what he's doing in college, he even beat Mike Leake. He did beat Mike. Nobody Leak. beats Mike Leake, John. Except AJ Morris. Except AJ Morris. <laughs> and, and I think sometimes Mike Leake beats himself. But anyway, not this year. <laughs> not this year. Um, Kansas State is number ten. I mean, that is it's quite shocking. an accomplishment <laughs> for Brad Hill. 
I mean, if I were looking for a head coach, I think I might go try to find the Central Missouri coach because it was Dave Van Horn <laughs> and then it was Brad Hill, and those guys are both pretty good. And uh, I would take my chances on the Central Missouri coach to maybe know how to build a program and, and know how to uh, – because that's what they've done at Kansas State. Now, that'll be the key, obviously. But if I were that a fan of that program or just a Kansas State fan, I would try to uh, revel in this moment of how good they are right now and not look too far forward and not look back. Enjoy the fact that right now – Kansas State's baseball program and this team is a legitimate Omaha contender. They are most definitely going to a regional yeah. for the first time ever. That's right. That's amazing. First they can time lose ever. the rest of their games, John. They will be in a regional, and and, uh, and that's saying something right there. And 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 you know what else? Um, I don't know that this is an Omaha. T- I don't think it's an Omaha team. I don't I mean, know. That I, it I think either. they've had a wonderful, magical, remarkable season, the uh, best season in program history. I don't think it's an Omaha team, but like you said, tell I mean, me you're why. absolutely right. Well, because they're, I, I they're, they're not, you, they're not deep why. enough on the mound. Um, they're not. Their bullpen is a major question mark. They don't have a, a, a an ace back there in the, in the pen just as a stopper. I mean, you know, James Allen has been the guy who's who's you know he's he's kind of emerged down the stretch. I mean, early on they they were kind of kind of shuffling guys in and out, but I don't think it's a dominant group of arms back there. Um, I mean, I, I do like the grittiness, the toughness, the speed. They they manufacture their own offense, but it's not an overly talented group. I mean, I think it's a good, solid team that eventually in a regional with, with other good, solid teams will probably get its, you know, who knows? Who knows what will happen? But I, I wouldn't pick them to win a regional right now. I, I, I think you have to know that if they can win a regional, a super regional is very winnable for them That's true. because of A.J. Morris. At some point, you figure the guy's going to lose a game, but he hasn't gotten to that point yet, and they're grinding through a very tough league. I believe that's a little bit disappointing, but a tough league. Uh, and how about Kansas, John? Speaking of, of – Yeah, that's the next To team. me, Kansas, Kansas and Kansas State are the two biggest surprises in the nation this year. I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, because, I mean, I think Kansas State's the biggest surprise – because Kansas won the Big 12 tournament a couple of years ago. What was it, 2006? But they had even uh, less expectations, I think, this year than, than Kansas State They did, did but, they've, but the fact that Kansas State has never been to a you're regional, right, I mean, that, right. just, <laughs> that just blows you away. I mean, Kansas even went to Omaha when you, generations ago, basically, in 1993. I mean, two coaching staffs ago and this and that and the other. But, uh, you know, Kansas is back in the rankings this weekend at number 23 um, after their week. I, I, I even forget who they beat. I'm so Oklahoma State. Kansas State. Oklahoma State, stick a fork in the Cowboys. I know their pseudo-RPI on Boyd's World, which is pretty close to the real RPI, is 24, and Baylor's is 20. But I just don't see how these teams are regional teams. What do they have to hang their hat on? Oklahoma State has nothing to hang their hat on. They're about 1-5 in, in conference play, 1-5-1 in, in, in conference series. That is unbelievable uh, with the, really the talent they've got on their team. I mean, boy, that's Collective talk about a disappointment. Oh, you really have to wonder, and if I were Frank Anderson, I, and I'm not there, and we'll have a feature on Andy Oliver coming up at our next in our draft preview issue, but just how big of a factor was that Andy Oliver uh, investigation? I mean, it came right before regionals last year, really sabotaged that team. Oliver was a question mark coming into this year. Uh, I mean, you know, this guy, these are 21-year-olds, 20-year-olds. I think you have to say that that's a pretty big factor in their stumble this year, not living up to their talent. Uh, you know, the guy was a question mark, and then he's kind of uh, approved to play at the last minute. I mean, everybody's role gets a little scrambled. I don't know how much he was able to practice with the team, you know, those kind of details. I don't know those details, but I just have to think, looking at it from the outside, that was a factor in them this season. But at some point, you have, that can't be an excuse either. You know, the games are going to be played. 
And I think Oklahoma State would tell you they expect it to be better than 6-13 and 13 in the Big 12 at this time. So it's amazing. I think Kansas and Kansas State have filled the void left by teams like Baylor and Oklahoma State that we thought were going to be right. the top six in the, in, the, in the Big 12. So you have right. to give those two teams from Kansas all the credit in the world. Another team I think that's earning our respect and our credit, and, or, and even though they're doing it against the bottom of their conference, is Florida State, Aaron. Right. And basically ever since they won that series against Clemson, in the Coastal Division, was that the Atlantic Division? I Atlantic guess. Division. In the Atlantic Division of the ACC, we were kind of saying how there was no Atlantic Division team that was really worthy, and they and Clemson were the top two teams, and they beat Clemson two out of three. Since then, they've only lost one series. It was at Miami, and Florida State, has, they've beat North Carolina at home, and they've done a little TCB against the bottom of the ACC. They're completely right. taking care of business. Uh, what is this just the usual Florida State uh, uh, formula here of yeah. <laughs> sinker slider pitchers and a very offensive ball club. That's it. I mean, you know, their pitching staff is still nothing special. Um, you know, they've got uh, Jeff Parker going on Saturdays. We know who Jeff Parker is. He's nothing special. He's you know, he'll no compete. offense to Jeff Parker. No offense to Jeff Parker. He'll solid, compete. solid average college pitcher. That's it. And and you know now they've got a freshman and Brian Bush going on Fridays, uh, replacing another freshman, Sean Gilmartin, sure, who's, who's, who came out of the bullpen, bullpen on Sunday. So at least okay. we know he's not seriously hurt, but. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think this team's short on the mound to make a deep run this year. They were short on the mound last year, but they were better on the mound last year than they are this year. And they, had, and they were better offensively and they last had, year. They were so much better offensively. They had Buster, what it is right now. So, so I mean, give Florida State credit. Uh, they they have taken care of business against the bad teams in this league, and they've got two really good series wins against Clemson and North Carolina. They're going to win the Atlantic Division. They might have the best overall record in the ACC. Probably going to host a regional. Um, this team has been to Omaha before with similar teams. You know, Mike Martin, he won't win it. <laughs> Not with this team. It would be ironic if he did. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think Florida State's always a factor to go to Omaha. Uh, they didn't go there most of this decade. Last year is the first time since 2000. But Mike Martin's been there more than any other coach who has not won it. So when that when Eleven's in the dugout making the slow walk, I, I believe he's even had arthroscopic knee surgery this year. I think I heard that. Is that right? Uh, so the walk is even slower than usual this year uh, for Eleven. But uh, you got to tip your cap to that cap to that guy. Let's try to wrap up the podcast with some rapid fire podcast at baseballamerica.com. Uh, email questions. You can send those into us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. They come into my email box. Of course, if you want to follow us, I think you can even ask us questions at our Twitter page at twitter.com backslash baseballamerica. But I digress. If you want to follow started, us don't get me started on the Twitter, Jim. I got about 1,000 followers there, and I got to respect right? the Twitter. Yeah, wow, I got to respect the Twitter. Right. Bo McDaniel asked us two questions. So thank you, Bo. Huge fan of the podcast. He listens every week, so we definitely thank him for that. Wondering what you thought of Dallas Baptist's chances of getting a regional bid as it did last year. Uh, are the Texas A&M and Texas Tech series must-wins? And what's the draft stock of Victor Black and Austin Knight on the team? Both for, uh, Jim Callis on the podcast we recorded on Friday. I think that's up. I'm not sure if that's up at BaseballAmerica.com yet. Uh, Victor Black is in that first three rounds mix. First of all, I don't know Austin Knight. I have to ask Jim for Austin Knight. He does Texas Force. He's a good but, player. I don't know about his draft stock either. But Dallas Baptist did just uh, lose try to three at A&M this weekend, Aaron. And they've got an RPI that's in the mix. But, boy, it's really hard looking at their resume to see them as a regional team. They don't have any quality series wins. I mean, and you know, hey. Is Binghamton going to win the America East? Probably not. They're right? in the mix. They're in the mix. They're so the maybe mix. that might be their best series win. Bing- and, and, and it's Binghamton. That's not. I mean, it's Come on. That's, that tells you all you need to exactly. know. Exactly. I mean, I, I just don't see it. I know that the RPI is good. If they, if they run the table, you know, with a good RPI, the committee has shown that they will put good RPI teams with gaudy overall records into a regional, even if they don't have any quality wins, drives me crazy, but they will do it. 
Um, so they maybe, maybe the, they got a chance. They'll put a little more on those midweek wins than they probably should, the committee, I, I would say. And they only have one really good midweek win, and that's at Baylor, which doesn't look that good now. Correct. I mean, I but mean, like sweeping Utah Valley and Northern Colorado and Northeastern, North actually losing the series of Northeastern. Yeah. That I mean, beating Houston Baptist. These things should not be no. the resume no. of a – you know, last year they went to San Francisco and won two out of three late, and that really put them over the hump. They had good series wins last year. They did. Can going to Jacksonville this week, this year, the final weekend of the season for them, can that be similar? I don't think so. Only if they run the table. they got to just about run the table here and finish. I really think they needed to win that Texas A&M series to get in. I think they're probably in trouble. I agree. Uh, so, I guess, uh, Bo, what we're saying is no. We don't think they're going to get in. Bo's other question uh, was about Aaron Miller and Baylor. And Aaron Miller was keeping his stock up, but Aaron, he – went stock down this weekend again, wouldn't you say? I mean, this feel for pitch is the question there, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's gotten knocked around two straight weeks now. Look before that like he was a guy who could go maybe even in the back of the first round. I mean, a, a lefty who's 90-95, and he's shown good feel for his, his secondary stuff. I mean, the ingredients are there. Um, I think you know, he suffers I, I think, in comparison to other left-handers this year because let's face it th- – in other years, maybe he'd stand out, but there are a lot of lefties this year. Just in the southeast, yeah. in my region, you got James Paxson at Kentucky, who's not in my region technically, but he keeps coming up. Rex Brothers. You got Brian Domo Morigato at, uh, at Tennessee, who's in the bullpen now, but is blowing 94 97, touching an eight. You got Nick Hernandez at Tennessee, he's a pitchability guy. He doesn't have great numbers this year, but scouts do like him. Uh, I'm missing another left-hander, but there's an obvious left-hander I'm throwing. Oh, uh, Mike Miner. Hello. He's all right. Uh, Mike Miner's all right at uh, at Vanderbilt. Heck, so John, you- even in the Northeast this year, that's the strength of the Northeast is left-handed pitching with guys like James Jones and Mike Belfiore. And- Don't forget Clemson. You got Chris Dwyer, the redshirt, uh, I mean, the, the true freshman who's 21 and draft eligible. Right. Um, so you got left-handed pitching around the country this year. So Aaron Miller doesn't stand out as much. I think college left-handed pitching is one of the strengths of this draft. So more of a raw guy. I mean, Brooks Raley in his own state's yeah, better. I think no Brooks question. Raley. No question. So, so, I mean, you know, uh, maybe Aaron Miller's got a chance to be drafted as a position guy. I still think he's got too much upside as a hitter. Uh, I mean, as a pitcher, excuse me. I mean, he's, he's, he could probably be a, you know, top five to seven rounds pick as a hitter, too. This guy's maybe one higher. of the reasons why we thought Baylor would be the heat over the last three years. Yeah. And he gets thrown into that group of those juniors who have not gotten it done at Baylor. Uh, then Kelly Barnes also emailed us from Fort Worth. Actually, this is Nick, but his email address says uh, Kelly Barnes. So, way to go, Nick! Uh, get, get a, get a, isn't there like a Nick Barnes seven at gmail dot com? It's available. Come on, Nick, <laughs> give me the program here, um, guys. How do you? But he's from Fort Worth, so he's asking about the, the Horn Frogs, uh, guys. How do you both? Do you? How do you both feel TCU's chances are of hosting a regional in Fort Worth? After winning the weekend series against BYU, great RPIs. You both know what do you? What do they need to do in your opinion to have the first ever regional at Fort Worth? Thanks, love the podcast. Uh, know, we love guys who say love the podcast. Let me you tell know, you that. You know, I really like their chances. You know, even a week or two ago, you'd think that that winning that series against BYU would have been a big boost. But the thing that is. concerns me is they lost a game that they really needed to win against Texas A&M in the midweek. And their 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 record now against Big 12 teams, John, it's not is, good. is one and six. Yeah, no, it's not And good. so if you're comparing TCU with like a Texas A&M, when you're looking at, 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 a, at a host position, who's going to get the nod there? If Texas A&M finishes first or second in the Big 12, I mean... But could Texas, could you get Texas 
Texas A&M and TCU as your three hosts in the well, state. You got of Texas? Rice too. Oh, I forgot. About I, those I don't guys. think they're going to get four in that state, and especially when you've got Oklahoma probably still going to host. Uh, that's five in those, you know, in that region. I guess that's the question: who hosts them or Oklahoma? That's kind of who they're up against. And I still think it'll probably be Oklahoma. I think it, my bet right now, I think the safest bet is is Texas. Texas A&M, Rice, and Oklahoma. The one I think thing TCU I think is squarely in the mix, though. I think what helps TCU is they're not in the Big 12. Yeah. So you have Rice. That's one local joint where you can send a, t- a, a team like a Baylor or an Oklahoma State if they were to get in, or a Missouri or these kind of other yeah. Kansas, Kansas yeah. State. You're looking for somewhere you got to send them with these Big 12 teams that aren't going to host. But, I mean, like, honestly, Kansas State's got Tuntus ball- Ballpark, I think is what it's they're called. They're right in there, too. They are in the mix to host. Because you're looking at a new team. Talk about growing the game. Talk about geography. I think you can have Kansas State. You can have Minnesota. You can bring your Missouri Valley Conference champion there. There you go. Because uh, Arkansas also is in the same geographic mix. Right. So all these teams are content- contending with each other. So some of it's what have you done for me lately. But some of it's against each other. And like you said, TCU against the Big 12, that resume hurts. I, th- I think you nail it with that, in my opinion. Uh, the fact that the... Mountain West Conference is a good, strong league, especially by its standards. I think that really helps. Uh, this is a, and, you know BYU kind of had to win that series. I think BYU, despite a good RPI, is going to be on the outside looking in. You know, it's it's interesting because I thought this league had a chance to get a pretty good chance to get three bids. Right now, it might only get two because New Mexico lost this uh, a right. must-win series against UNLV. Their RPI isn't good enough. I think New Mexico is in trouble. I BYU agree. needed to win at least one game at TCU. I think they're in trouble. The last San couple Diego weeks State, have not been kind to the to the big to the, the Mountain West. San Diego State looks like they're probably back into the mix here. I think they are, and they have enough quality. Uh, they've, they've got some wins in the West that look pretty good, like beating out Long Beach State a couple times. These kind of things. I and they'll get San Diego State in. But uh, thanks for the questions, guys. Definitely, first of all, it's great to have uh, new email questions at podcast at baseballamerica.com. We really like to see that. Uh, no no offense to Joe LaCates, but we're glad to have, or Luke Good, but we're glad to have some different emails. So Bo and uh, Nick, a.k.a. Kelly, thanks a lot for the emails. But uh, thanks for joining us here on the Baseball America College Podcast. For Aaron, I'm John. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.